guys, welcome back to another episode of the In No Hurry podcast. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys this week for another episode. This week, I'm so excited to welcome back Val Werner to the show. Val was on episode 50 last November, and we get to talk to her again. She's got a new book coming out next week about prayer. As we know from the previous conversation, Val is sort of an expert on prayer, at least in my opinion. She's the creator of some great prayer journals and a lot of other great books on prayer. And this new one I know is one that I'm personally excited about, and hopefully you will be too after you hear Val talk about it. Her new book is called Pray Confidently and Consistently, Finally Letting Go of the Things Holding You Back from Your Most Important Conversation. The book comes out on October 12th, so in just about a week. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Val, also to hopefully check out her book. And go to her website, check out her prayer journals. If you're looking for something to kind of implement prayer in your life and get a regular routine of prayer, not only are the prayer journals great, but her book that she came out with last year that was called springboard prayers we talked to her about that last year definitely recommend checking that out as well so that was just one of my favorite people i really enjoy talking to her about prayer and just about creativity in general so that's kind of where this show hangs out hopefully you guys will enjoy this episode this is val werner of valmariepaper.com check it out Well, I'm happy to be back with Val Werner. Val was a guest last year on the show, and we are happy to have her back talking about a new book that she has coming out on October 12th, Pray Confidently and Consistently. Val, you were one of my favorite people when it comes to just talking about prayer and looking at how we can implement practical prayer life. And I'm excited to talk to, to you about that today. But first, welcome back to the show. And how has everything been going for you here in 2021? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be back. I love chatting last time. And I know I emailed you this past week about the journals. I love your input and just, I love talking prayer with you, but, um, this year has been, um, good. It's been a challenge. I feel like the Lord is just, um, putting so much on my heart with prayer in a bigger way. Like I've been in this space of talking about prayer for about seven or eight years now. And I just feel like it is changing right now. And I'm just really excited to see where God takes it. Um, and obviously the big part is pushes that book, but he's got a, um, a bigger passion in me for the, uh, this topic. And I'm just excited. I'm jumbling yeah. my words. You can tell I'm excited. <laughs> hey, it's all good. No, that's good. It's a good thing to be excited about something yeah. that you are about to release into the world. So that's, that's obviously good. I feel like when we talked last year, you may have been hinting at this book. I can't really remember. Obviously, you had springboard prayers coming out that we were talking about mostly, um, which I was happy to get that. And I gave I gave a copy of that away as a gift to, to somebody. So that was exciting. And then um, obviously, this book coming out here in October, it's it's a little bit different, obviously, than springboard prayers. How, how does this differ maybe from some of the other books that you put out? And why did you feel like this book was necessary and on your heart to write right now? Yeah. So I wrote this book. Um, I, I've been, I've had my friend Gretchen. I keep talking about her. Everybody, like everybody knows her. Gretchen from Well Watered Women. Um, she pushed me a couple years ago to write a book on prayer. And I just remember feeling like everybody has written a book on prayer. Like lots wiser people than me, people with degrees in seminary and everything like that. So I never really thought about it, even though I talk about it so much. But um, she really kind of just challenged me to think about the fact that not everybody is picking up those books because they, 
maybe you're, you know, like super deep and maybe like just uh, not as approachable. So the whole, the, like she just planted that seed that I should write that. And then over time, I feel like we've just, I've just heard so many conversations from people about what the struggle is, what like at our prayer lives just feel so heavy. Like we have so many burdens on us that um, I just knew based on that research and learning about prayer myself, the things that would free people from that a little bit. So the whole book is like, it's about 15 different weights that we carry um, that we can basically strip off based on the Hebrews 12, two verse about throwing off everything that hinders us and just kind of enjoying a satisfying, exciting prayer life with the Lord. I love that. And, and I think you offer a unique perspective because like you said, I mean, there, there's definitely books written from people that are, you know, theologians, they've gone to seminary and it's a different approach, but I think there's, there's obviously a market for that. And I think there's a time and place for that. But I also, as somebody in my shoes, I love hearing somebody who can speak practically, like, this is what it looks like for me every day. Yeah. And you, and you make the, those prayer journals, those of you that are listening that maybe aren't as familiar with, with Val, uh, she creates these beautiful prayer journals that you can pray month to month for different things. And you could segment them and break them down. And it really helps, I think, like have a, a more focused prayer life. And yeah, I think you, you, you're basically your content and the things that you create, at least in my opinion, are really geared toward making prayer practical for us. Yeah. And I think, I think speaking about that from a practical perspective, not necessarily from a theological perspective, but obviously including, you yeah. know, sound biblical teaching, I think yeah. there's definitely a market for that. And I, and I love that. I, I you know, I, the, the stuff that you write is in your voice, the emails you send, I get those as well. The blogs you write, they're in your voice. They're not, you know, like overly, this is meant to be a compliment and they're not overly difficult to understand, which I think yeah. for some people, like that's a little bit more approachable than maybe reading, you know, breaking down everything from a Greek and Hebrew origin perspective. So, yeah. um, whenever you it's write like, these, I mean, just, just to encourage you, I mean, I think like, just like your friend said, I think there definitely was a calling for you to write this. Yeah. And, and it's like my heart behind it is that they, it will ease people in, it'll be really approachable, but it will be, those deep things that like do affect your prayer life. Like just, there's just so many deep questions that we have, but if it's, if we just dive right into that, not everybody, um, I don't know how to say not every, not everybody, like it, it's just overwhelming. It is yeah. very, it's an overwhelming topic. It is elusive. It's, you know, like we're not talking about Bible study where we're looking at a Bible. We're talking about talking to somebody who is not sitting with us. And right. that can just be an overwhelming thing of how do we do that? So, yeah, I'm excited to, to reach people who maybe wouldn't pick up something super deep, but it will take them deep in the process. Yeah. Who were you thinking of when you wrote this book? Is there a kind of a group of people or a type of person or maybe somebody in a certain walk of life? Or, you know, is this, mm -hmm. is this for Christians or people that are curious about Christianity? Just who were you kind of thinking of whenever yeah. you were putting together this book? Um, so I had two people in mind. I had somebody who was maybe um, a more casual Christian, somebody who would feel like um, I'm kind of new to prayer. I've never really prayed with anybody before. I didn't have anybody model that for me growing up. Um, but I want to go beyond just like praying for really basic things. And then I also thought about people who were had maybe been believers for a long time and they felt like you know, I'm really good at all these other spiritual disciplines, but this one's still a struggle, you know, or it's, or it maybe was good at one time, but it just needs to be revived. Um, I think it, 
it, it really can reach both of those people. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, as people read it, who resonates with it the most. Yeah. And I think in, anybody from the most devout Christians to even people that maybe wouldn't identify as Christian are familiar with the idea of prayer. And I think it, for some people, it can, it can evoke a different emotion. You know, I think prayer has kind of become politicized because you see this, like we need more than just thoughts and prayers mm -hmm. at the same time, Christians understand the power that prayer can bring. And it's not just the power of prayer. It's the power of the person that we pray to mm -hmm. that brings the power. And I think that we as Christians understand the value of prayer. And I guess I just kind of want to camp out there. Like when, when people maybe have said something to you about like, we need more than just prayer. Like, how would you tell them? Like, no, actually prayer is incredibly life-changing. I mean, that's one of the things you, you write here and kind of the description of the book is it, it is, it, it can change everything. It can be life-changing. So um, I don't know if you've had conversations like that with people, or yeah. if you were to have conversations like that, how would you kind of maybe advocate for why prayer is so necessary? Oh man, you got me like all, like if I get louder or obnoxious, just hey, it's all down. good. <laughs> I mean, man, I, I just think, I think that's, it, it is a cop out to say, well, you know, it wants us to push us to action, but guess what? The way we're going to figure out what the best action to take is, is going to be praying to the Lord, getting wisdom from him. Mm -hmm. It's not a, I'm going to stay here and not move. If the Lord, if we're praying to the Lord about something serious or, you know, like it's one of those things where it's like, um, yeah, like thoughts or prayers, different things like, or like that doesn't matter. Or, you know, I've heard that too. Um, it, it does matter in such a real way, but, and, and it's not because of just where it stays, but where it can take us and who we're talking to. If I'm going to talk about solving something with anybody, it's going to be like the God who created everything and not just my best friend and us coming up with a good plan. Um, and I think when people say that, they probably, and I know we're not talking about like a hypothetical person, but I think like that feeling of feeling like prayer doesn't really do anything is because they haven't seen prayer work in their yeah. life. And there's so many reasons for that. There's a whole chapter in the book on like, when you feel like you're getting a no from God and it could be because you stepped away from God. It could be because, um, he has you waiting for a reason. It could just be a no. And uh, in, even in those things, God is moving and doing things. He may not be doing the thing we want to happen, but if we opened our eyes and just had like a different approach to how am I going to see how God responds to prayer, we would see, okay, I prayed for this one thing, but God did all of this over here. So I know he's hearing me and he is alive and he has a, a better plan for me. It's just, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you're getting at. I mean, it feels like to me, in my experience, it feels like there are people that have not, like you said, they've not been exposed to what true prayer looks like or how it's, I mean, I think a lot of people, they, they approach prayer as if it's like, I'm going to pray to God and I expect this to happen. Or if this doesn't happen, then he said no. And one of the things that, that I have written and I, and I, we may have mentioned this whenever mm -hmm. I talked to you last time, I can't remember, but yeah. one of the, the, the truths that I really hold to is I don't believe that there is anything such as an answered prayer. I believe that every prayer is answered in some way. We mm -hmm. may not like how it's answered. I may pray for something to happen. And just because it doesn't happen, because I, the way that I prayed for it, I can't 
approach that as if it's an unanswered prayer, because God might say, what you prayed for is not what is best for you. What I have that's best for you is actually over here. You prayed for something that if you wanted that, and I granted that it would not have been my best plan for you. And so I think as humans, we are so geared to like what we see on earth. Like we go and everything happens so quickly. Like we go to the coffee shop. Like I went and got coffee today. This took like five minutes to get to me. Mm -hmm. I can text somebody. They text me right back. We're so geared for everything to happen so quickly. Like you said, prayer often is about waiting. And it's not always just me saying, God, I want this to happen. Now you go do it. Oftentimes it's, I want to be able to discern what it is that you want me to do or what we should do. So it's not just asking God to do something, then it happens. It's actually, Hey, can you please help me and give me the wisdom Mm -hmm. and discerning what it is that God has, you know, has, has you wanting to do. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, have you ever, like, whenever you hear people say like, like for instance, your chapter is, you know, when you feel like God says no, I mean, what is kind of your approach on that? Cause like, for me, I've really tried to retrain my heart of saying like, God might be saying no, but it's not necessarily an unanswered prayer. It's just yeah. that he's saying no to my earthly desires, which I don't know what's best for me. He does. Yeah. Um, so in the book, I talk about the verse about, you know, like God is a good God. He gives good gifts to his kid. And then um, there's somewhere where they talk about the the snake, like God, if, if you God, if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask for something, he's not going to give you a snake. Um, and I don't quote me on that, but it's in there. Um, but it, it makes me think about, you know, like us with our kids. Like if I tell my kid, no, do not run across the street. I'm not, I'm going to answer them. I'm not going to, I'm going to tell them no. Um, it, it's an answer. It doesn't mean I'm not there. It just means I'm smarter than they are about cars <laughs> crossing the road, you know? Right. And um, I, I talk about in the book how if we are so in, uh, inundated in the world, the world can convince us that God is selfish because he didn't give us a stone to eat. We, because it's, you know, like things like, man, I'm mad. God didn't give me this. And then you just realize like you're mad. God didn't give you a stone. And, and it's, we've trained ourselves if we are just inundated with the world to see things a certain way. And I think like we, if we want to understand when God says no, if we want to understand what God is doing and like still trust him whenever we don't hear from him right away or whenever we don't get the answer we want, we have to know him. We have to know his character, know that he's, we got to know our Bible, know that he is loved, know that he has um, walked with so many people like Joseph throughout. There's several chapters where he goes to prison. He, um, or like his, his brothers sell him off to in the slavery And there's a little line that just says, and, and God was with him and it's over and over again. And God was with him. And in the book, I actually put in there, like whatever thing you feel like God is not responding to, I want you to just say, you know, like for me, like, I still don't have answers on what's going on with my stomach, but God is with me. And when you sit in that and you just think I'm not over here, like kicking like a duck underwater because I have to figure it out. Cause he's not around. You just kind of rest. You're just like, okay, he sees this. He's not like aloof to this, you know? Um, so know our Bibles and then know what he's already done for us in the past or, or other people. If we don't have the stories because we haven't been looking for them or because we haven't been walking with God, um, hearing those stories from other people's faith can definitely build us up to, to, to trust him. 
Right. And I think what you're getting at there kind of alludes to my next question, but maybe for maybe somebody who's listening that maybe they've been turned off by prayer because mm-hmm. they just, they, they, they've not seen things happen the way that they want it to. And they don't feel like prayer is worth it. What would your advice be to them? I mean, how, how would you, how would you counsel them through that? I mean, I think we maybe touched on it, but just if somebody is so burnt mm-hmm. out by prayer and they just feel like I want to do everything on my own, I don't trust that God is going to come through. Uh, maybe they're tired of waiting because they feel like their waiting is longer than somebody else's waiting has been. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a pretty heavy thing. And I think there's a lot of people that maybe have walked away from the faith because of that, because they're so tired of waiting and they don't feel like God hears them. I mean, what, what would you, how would you counsel somebody through those emotions? Yeah, that's, that's always tough. Um, and, and it, I feel like it can be for, you know, like several different reasons. It may be that, like we said, like they've never seen God work before and the idea of him working, um, almost like we, we would have to expand our view of what's good, you right. know, like, um, whenever I read about promises, like I don't see many promises that, you know, make God may have promised different people that he would heal every disease. He's not healing every disease on earth the way I expected. He is going to heal me in, you know, like in eternity, he might heal me on earth, but things that I know that he's promised me is that he's going to comfort me. He's going to walk with me through it. I can walk through a sickness and feel so much joy and closeness to the Lord that I'm like recently, I keep talking about this because I'm dealing with this right now, but recently my prayer wasn't that my sickness would go away because I feel like God's really using it to change me. I, and that was, that was probably the first time that I really felt like, Whoa, like I'm maturing in my faith. If I don't want him to take away this pain that I'm feeling because I know it's growing me. And that's like, uh, that's like a hard thing to come. Like, I'm not, I've been dealing with this for four months. So like, it's taken me a long time to get there, but I'm seeing the fruits of it. So I'm okay to sit in that. Um, I don't know if that answers the original question. I have other thoughts on it. (laughs) No, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty heavy topic that we could probably spend an hour talking about just that one question. But I mean, and what you're getting out there too, is so true. I mean, all of us go through periods of suffering and it's very easy to want that pain to go away very quickly. And Mm -hmm. I've had to really, retrain my brain. I mean, yeah, like it's very uncomfortable to sit through pain, whatever that it may be a sickness. It could be a death of somebody that you love. It could be just any trial. It's very uncomfortable. We don't enjoy it when we're there, but like, I mean, there's, there's so much in the Bible about suffering and pain and and getting through it and trials and endurance and all this stuff. I mean, the, the Bible is full of that. And that would be a whole other conversation too on its own, but it's like, that to me has been it's, it's almost like you're saying it's a re, it's retraining your heart. It's retraining your brain to, to look at those times with joy. And I, I it feels weird to say with gratitude, but like, I mean, truly those times that I've gone through that have been super painful, my faith in God has grown so much stronger. And it's, and it's because those times bring you to prayer in a way that maybe when you're on the mountaintops of life, don't always, I mean, like, it's, it's great to pray to God and thanks and and that, but like, whenever you truly go to God, whenever you're feeling pain and and almost desperate, like, and and God comes through. And even if he doesn't come through the way you want, I mean, you're, you're bringing yourself closer to God because you're aligning your heart with a reliance on God. And I feel like to me as a Christian, it's like one of the most important things that you can do is to train your brain and your heart 
in your mind to be reliant on God. So yeah, those people, the people that are listening that maybe have struggled with prayer or with, with prayer and with dealing with suffering. I mean, to me, that's how I have found prayer, uh, to be so valuable in those times because I've, I've just, I felt my heart growing so much closer to God. So I think what you said is beautiful right there. Um, uh, I have one more thought on it. If, yeah, go ahead. So, um, I think a lot of times, and this, I'm learning this recently. We've talked to several people who like were, you know, prayer warriors in the sixties and seventies. I've been reading a lot of books, older books, and we are like, and this is like a just total generalization. It may be different and different, like, you know, with different people, but from, you know, people I talk to things that I've experienced in my own town, my own city, whatever, we don't pray to the depth and to the sacrifice that a lot of people prayed. Like most women were in like a prayer group where they would meet for two hours every week. And that is, that's, that's not common right now. And I think we're expecting five or 10 minutes of like, these Hail Mary prayers every once in a while to kind of be what we think prayer is. So we're like, well, that happened for them. So it's not working for me, but, but we're not putting in the, the, the dedication that we can to it. And so I think like pushing past the point where we feel like, okay, well that didn't work. Like, just keep going. Like God is faithful. God will um, meet you. Um, But it's not this, it, it is, it is so amazing and it is even hard to explain how amazing prayer is, but when you experience it, you know it and you want to keep going, but just know, like, just keep pushing through. Um, it's worth it. It definitely is, but it does take more than maybe we're used to, or maybe we feel like we have time for right now. Yeah. Yeah. That actually goes really well into the next question. We were talking about this before we recorded, obviously the name yeah. of the show is in no hurry. And the idea basically behind that is how we are, we are so busy as, as Americans, as people, and it's hard for us to slow down for anything, much less prayer. And I think, um, you know, one of my favorite lines from a book was in John Mark Comer's book um, about hurry and hustle. He basically says, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And I think that has resonated with, with me so well, because like you said, we feel like five to 10 minutes of prayer, even a week. Mm-hmm. is sufficient. And like you're saying here, back in, you know, the 60s, 70s, people were, were meditating for two hours. I don't know if you said daily, maybe daily, weekly, but they're praying for much longer times. And, and I don't know that there's necessarily like, you have to pray this yeah. much time, but, but it's like, it's the heart behind it where like, we don't want to make time to pray or spend time with God. And so mm-hmm. when you, when you look at distraction and just kind of the hustle culture, the hurry culture, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're so, we're so, caught up in wanting to do more and produce more and just like do everything that we can and keep ourselves busy. It's, it's hard for us to slow down and pray. I assume you touch on this in your book, but what are kind of your thoughts on like how we need to structure our time to pray and maybe how, what are some best practices to cut out some things that we don't need to be doing? Like for instance, like spending an hour looking at TikTok videos or scrolling through Instagram, which yeah. you got, you got off Instagram. Maybe you can talk oh, yeah. about this. Like maybe this is, this is up right up your alley, but like, what can we do to remove certain things from our lives to make more time for prayer? So I'll back up and say, I think the reason prayer is so hard is because it's not urgent. There is, a, if you have a boss, if you have kids, if you have responsibilities, all of these things are louder than prayer. 
air, it's like a fire. There's a fire going on over here and your, you know, your prayer journal's over here and you're obviously going to put out the fire. So God is quiet. God whispers to us and um, he, he wants to meet us in those quiet moments. So it's hard to nail that down unless we're, we are very intentional, which is what you were saying. Like, how do we clear that out? Um, we actually talked about a few things, a few just like very basic tools that you can use. And, and in the chapter, we talk about the fact that tools are okay. Like sometimes we feel like that's a crutch. Like I should be able to have this amazing prayer life, you know, with cartoons on in the background and no plan, nothing written down, anything, but, but God has given us tools. So let's take advantage of that. And, yeah. you know, some of that might just be like having a set time during the day to pray. Like we see that throughout scripture. Um, I shared about Cornelius and Acts who, um, the Lord met, spoke to him while he was in his prayer time. It was, they talked about, they talked about the fourth hour or the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, different things like that. And these were just common times for people to pray. God met him, spoke to him while he was already praying in the ninth hour, whatever it was. But it was just a reminder that like, God, it, when we make the, that set time, God knows like, Hey, he, he can speak to us anytime, but for that, he knows that we are ready to listen at that moment. So set times, um, reading written prayers. Um, I have not always been into this because I just thought, you know, we had people asking for a, a book of prayers, which we talked about last time, the springboard prayers, which I did end up writing. Um, but at first I didn't want to write it because it's, I didn't want it to hinder anybody from praying their own prayers. But I learned so much about when we get to hear other people pray, we expand our own prayers. Like if I never heard God pray in the garden of Gethsemane, take this cup from me, but if not, you know, let your will be done. That that's not something I would just instinctively know to pray. Um, It could be praying with other people too. Just hearing other people pray is, can be powerful. And then, um, the last one's probably journaling and, and journal stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ba- basically just keep track of stuff, write it down. Like don't have a system that you use. It doesn't have to be our prayer journals, but just use a system. Don't expect for you to have these very eloquent prayers where you remember everything anybody told you this week, like write it down. That's powerful. And I know we've heard that a lot from people as they use the journals. Like I used to say, I'd pray for somebody and I didn't really do it. And now I'm like really doing it. And that's, you know, you don't expect yourself to do it without those things, you know? Well, and I think what, like what your tools do is like, they, they hold you accountable. They give you like something to the heck, Hey, at the beginning of each month, this is what I'm doing. And I think it's just like anything where you build a habit and it's just ingrained. It's like, okay, now on the first of this month, I've got to fill out. My, not that not that it has to be a chore or a burden, but like yeah. I, on the first of the month, I'm, I'm filling out my prayer journal. And I think it's just like anything, like a muscle where if you don't work it out, it, it becomes atrophied. And I think prayer can be like that, where like if we allow it to just kind of go on the back burner, then it doesn't feel like a priority anymore. So how much of this is is just discipline and making sure that this yeah. is a priority? Yeah, it's it's definitely like um, even the title, we want people to go come away feeling confident that they can pray, you know, like knowing that they're, they know what to say, they don't feel intimidated to come and consistent because if, if we're consistent, little things can add up like atomic habits. He talks about just 
little tiny things that can add up into big things. And I think like if we just went into it thinking, I'm going to pray two hours today. And I've like never done that before in my life. Like that can be overwhelming. But if we can commit to meeting with the Lord 10 minutes every day and just grow that, that's powerful. But I I think also that consistency gives us more of a passion. So if you're feeling like I don't have a passion for prayer, this it's always going to be like that. It's not always going to be like that. It, It just takes a little bit to get started and then as you see the results of it and not just the results of the answers, but just what it's like, what it feels like to really pray and have that conversation with God, it can be just powerful to propel you forward. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think like, just like each month, like you just gotta like make a plan and just, I just kind of have to do it. And I think like, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of like some months I've gone and I've gotten too busy. I'm like, crap, I didn't fill this out this month. And it's like, not that you have to feel guilty about it, but it's like making sure that you don't let it become a habit of, of avoiding it. But your, your book is, your book is, I think it's about, I mean, I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but just from, from reading the bio on it and everything, it sounds like there's, it's mostly about like letting go of the things that maybe hinder us from a prayer life. So what are some, maybe some other ways that we are, um, either distracted or hindered from a good prayer life that you talk about in this book. We talk about just the idea. We talk about our expectations of God. That's like the foundation. If we know who God is, we don't treat him like a genie or like a vending machine. We're like, I put in a quarter and I'm supposed to get this out. If we know who he is, then we don't have to have come with these wrong expectations and then be disappointed with them. I, I feel like, as I was editing, I kept noticing, like, I keep saying this phrase of basically like, this is why we feel disappointed by God. It's, it's just these um, thoughts that are not even true. Like we're, it's based on things that are not true. So if we can learn and, and um, understand a lot of those things, we can move past that. Um, We also talk about just like the idea and this honestly came from our customers. Like a lot of people just feeling like I'm nervous to do the wrong thing. I'm nervous to, you know, what if I don't pray the ax method all the time? What if I, um, ask too much and don't, you know, like, do I have to always have this caveat of, but whatever you want to do, God. And, um, just like learning how gracious God is to us in that his requirements of how we come to him or prayer in prayer are pretty simple. I've like broken it down into coming humbly, confessing often and having faith. And if we can do that, if we're coming humbly to God, it squashes a lot of those things that even the Bible talks about, like there's a lot of do nots of prayer. Like don't be, you know, just on the street corner being loud about it. Don't ramble on. And we've taken that to mean don't pray with others or don't, you know, like don't be showy about it. And then don't have like prayer, like, don't repeat prayers basically. And I think like all that to say, God is, uh, if we can come humbly and with faith, though, a lot of the things that we worry about are non-issues anymore, you know, like it kind of just eliminates a lot of that. Yeah. 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 I love that. And I I feel like so much of the issues that we as Christians or even people deal with can be boiled down to just simply like, we don't understand God the way that maybe we need to. I mean, just so many things that like we, like you're saying, like our expectations of God 
maybe we are basing our, our thoughts of God on a world view of God versus like, what does the Bible actually say? And so spending time with God, spending time in the word, I mean, I think it's probably in my opinion, like the very first foundational thing that we need to do, because if we don't know who it is that we're praying to, then of course, we're going to be disappointed with our prayers because we're expecting something out of God that maybe is not accurate. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure that I've been guilty of that. I, I'm sure, you know, Christians, not Christians, anybody has been, has been guilty of that when they prayed. And I feel like whenever you look at it from a world perspective, where like when, when a, a mass shooting happens or something terrible happens when people bemoan thoughts and prayers, it's like, I, I just feel like there's this complete misconception of what prayer is supposed to be and who God is, you know, I, like I've never have, well, I shouldn't say never, because I'm sure at some point in my walk I have, but like, I try not to get mad at God when something horrible happens, because I understand like, that's just sin that has entered the world. And it's not that God is sitting here as a puppeteer and saying, I'm going to have this happen and this happen. Like, sure. It's horrible when somebody that we love dies and it's horrible when these tragedies happen. But to me, it's like, look, if Jesus himself suffered, we're going to suffer. And, and I don't know what my suffering is going to look like. I don't know what your suffering is going to look like, but I can guarantee you that we are going to suffer at some point. And I think when you take it from the heart of like, I, I heard somebody put it this way, like, just like a parent would want to comfort you when you're in pain. Mm -hmm. That's how God is to us. It's not that God is causing the pain. God is here to comfort us mm -hmm. when we are going through pain. And I think like changing your heart to have that perspective I, I think is going to change your, your, the way that you pray. Cause I think that's obviously been the case for me. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to read this book. I'm excited yeah. to, for people to hear it too. Um, I guess last thing here, I mean, we kind of got, we kind of got into this a little bit earlier, but you know, the name of the show is in no hurry. And I did kind of want to ask you, I mean, you, you did step away from your own personal Instagram. Mm -hmm. I guess the first thing is, you know, how has that been fulfilling to you? Have you found that to be fruitful? But, um, in terms of just kind of peeling back certain things in your life? I mean, how have you been able to do that to impact and, and improve your prayer life as well? Yeah. So just on a very surface level, I used to get up and post at like six 30 in the morning. And so my girls, I'd, I'd wake up around five 30 and then they get up at seven. So I'd have that time to read my Bible, but I was always cutting it short to like perform my duties on Instagram. So my quiet times got a little bit longer. Um, and I was actually thinking this morning, whenever I was going for a walk, I was like, it feels so weird to be out of that world, just like out of the everyday, um, you know, like concerned with what everybody's doing, you know? And, and I mean, there's a place for it. Like, I know I've talked to people and they're like, I just feel like God's calling me to be here and like, listen to God. You, you don't, there's not like a one answer yeah. for everybody, but I know for me, I needed to kind of step away from that. It actually came at a really odd time. Like my mom, we found out she had breast cancer, like the week after I got off and, um, she just finished her last, last radiation yesterday. So she's great. Um, awesome. but my sister's having a baby. My sister-in-law had a baby last week. There's so many things that just are in my personal world that I feel like we're more plugged into our community. Like even my husband, he became an elder, um, of our church a couple, maybe like a month ago. And we have just been plugged in so much more. And I can't say that like, it's because I got off Instagram, but I do feel that I don't have the crutch of all these conversations or, um, all of these touch points that are making me feel like I don't have time for people in my own world. I have more 
capacity to hang out. Like I'm an introvert, but I've been the most social I've ever been in the last few months. And as I'm talking to you, I'm realizing the connection of that, that it, it probably does have to do with that, just having the energy for that. But yeah, it's been, it's been really good. So it probably hasn't directly changed just my prayer life as much as the way I'm connecting with other believers and stuff like that and having yeah. energy to just love people, honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm a doer. I would rather, I used to, would rather read a book, plan my day, do something like that. And like the Lord has just changed that so much yeah. in the last little bit. Man, I love that. And and I, this is just strictly from a writer's standpoint. So the book, the book that I'm working on right now, I talked to you about this before we recorded yeah. is about comparison and contentment and really largely kind of inspired by my own struggles with it. And obviously social media provides a huge outlet for those who, who struggle with that to compare themselves to other people. And, you know, but the thing is like as a writer too, and I know that you know this from, from going through publishing. I mean, part of it is like, you, you kind of have to build a platform and all that kind of stuff. And it's valuable to have social media to share your products. And obviously like your company still has the social media yeah. accounts and everything, yeah. but, but how did you weigh that personally? Like, how did you decide that, that, that it was more valuable for you to do that versus what it might provide for you as a business woman and to be able to market your book. I mean, how did you, how did you decide, like even the pros of all of that don't outweigh maybe what you found to be the benefits of getting off of social media? So, um, I, whenever I got off, it was 100% because of prayer and because I felt confident that God was calling me to do it. And I am not somebody who has ever felt like that was going to be possible in my business. I've always felt this is just part of it. I'm just going to have to do it until I die, basically. Yeah. And um, that's kind of how I, feel, I like, feel too, because like I would love to be able yeah. to just cut it off. But I'm like, I feel like I'm at the point as an author, an aspiring author that like yeah. I have to first build this platform. So I feel like if I cut it off, then I would just be like cutting my knees off for yeah. what I want to do. And it's hard because it's like I, I definitely get I feel guilty of buying into the comparison side of it and playing this game of like, I have to have this X amount of followers, et cetera, et cetera. But I would love to be able to just say, forget about it. I want to just like be plugged in like you're doing. So I'm didn't mean to cut you off, but like, I'm very yeah. fascinated in your answer in this. Well, and I, I, tr I do think that it's, it's not for everybody. I think if you, I just keep telling people, just pray about it, pray about it. The Lord might show you like what you should be doing. It is hard in this industry now just because so much is based on platform. So even whenever I came to the decision to do it, um, like I knew I was going to do it or I knew I knew I like the Lord was telling me to do it. It would be hard to have changed my mind. But I did talk to my publishers and I did just tell them, you know, I feel like if I have more time, we're going to we could start a podcast, which we do have plans for. Um, awesome. And, it has generated so many ideas because we are not dependent on, Oh, we'll just put it on Instagram and it'll work. You know, yeah. it, um, our sales have been growing. Um, they're not necessarily growing from Instagram, even our business page. They're, they're there a little bit, but we have lost sales from Instagram, but we're seeing it grow. And I feel like that's just God's reminder that like, just stay faithful. Just trust me. Like this might sound crazy, but just trust me. And, if I had not been praying about it or felt like the Lord's confirmation in that, I would have assumed that it couldn't have been done. 
yeah. but um I don't know if that totally answers your question. No, well, I, I think what you get at, I mean, it's it's it comes down to being faithful. And I think that's ultimately the thing. Like if you felt like God was calling you to do that, then you have to be faithful, even though like in this day and age, I mean, it might sound silly, but like that is probably one of the hardest things for people to give up, at least for me personally, yeah. to feel yeah. like, because I'm like, I'm unhealthily attached to my social media, you know, yeah. and part of that is ingrained in me from being a journalist to where yeah. like I had to be on social media a lot to either find information or tweet out information, et cetera, et cetera. But like, it's, it's so ingrained in me to be like, I did this now, let me, let me show it off. Or it's like, I'm here. Let me post about it. You know, mm-hmm. when I talked to, uh, I talked to Daniel M early back in 2020, I don't know if you know, know who he is, but he wrote a book that uh, was kind of about comparison and dealing with things like that too. But he, he posed the question, he was like, how many people, if they were given the chance to go on a vacation to this ex- exotic island and everything was paid for all expenses, but you couldn't post a picture of it versus, versus you could pay to go on this vacation to somewhere else and you'd be able to post pictures. How many people would, would rather pay to be able to post pictures yeah. versus getting a free vacation where they couldn't post pictures. And it was like, huh, you know, like that's kind of interesting because people, they want to travel and they want to be able to say, look where I'm at, look what I did. So I thought that was like, I would be very curious to hear what people would say about that. Like, would you rather be able to go and not post anything, not even tell anybody about it? Or would you pay so that you could do that? So kind of yeah, interesting. That's- well, and it's funny because being off, like I had somebody ask, they're like, do you have any regrets? And I'm like, no, like if I had to get back on, I feel like I would just feel this pressure that I've gotten com- like it, it's bit, it's weird that it's so normal for me to not be on because I really, I really thought I was going to be doing that every day for, you know, forever. Yeah. So it's weird. And I just attribute it to like, God, just that was what I was supposed to do. And he made it he made it possible. He made me feel like it was from him, you know? Yeah. Well, that's great. I think that's a great way here to wrap up. That's, that's inspiring to me. I I really like last year, I I went a month with turning off all of my notifications and Mm -hmm. that was helpful. But then what I realized was that like, cause I wasn't getting notifications, it made me even more curious to see if there were notifications there. And so I was checking it more. And so it's like, I have not quite found the right solution for me to, to manage it, but I'm still, that's, one of the things I'm praying about is trying to not be so attached. I mean, like, cause like I was talking about, I mean, I've been writing a ton about comparison and it's like, you see what people are doing and it's like, Oh crap, I want to be able to do that too. And I think it takes away from just being able to run your race with mm-hmm. joy. And I think that's ultimately what, you know, God calls us to a life of joy, not a, not a life of feeling pressure and feeling like we have to keep up because, you know, we all, we each have our own, race to run. And I feel like if we're trying to run what everybody else is doing, we're just going to be exhausted. So I love what you're doing. I love, I love the idea for this new book and uh, I'm definitely excited to read it. Where can people, if they want to buy a copy of it, where can they, where can they get it? Um, They can get it on our website, valmariepaper.com, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, lots of bookstores. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) October favorite bookstore is check it out. All right. So October 12th is the release date. So be looking for that. It is called pray confidently and consistently. Val, thanks so much for joining. Um, I, I, I always love talking to you and yeah. I, I appreciate what you're doing. I love, you know, the, your whole mission behind what you're doing. So this is fun and we'll definitely have to have you back on again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking to Val 
Really appreciate her coming back onto the show to talk about her new book. I definitely recommend it. And she mentioned at the end there a podcast that she had an idea for. She actually just launched that podcast just a few weeks ago. It's called Prayer in a Noisy World. You can definitely go check that out anywhere that you get podcasts. You can check the show notes uh, to find a link for it there. But definitely check that out as well if you're looking to incorporate some more of Val's wisdom on prayer in your everyday life. Check that out, Prayer in a Noisy World. But her new book, Pray Confidently and Consistently, comes out in just about a week, October 12th. So make sure you put that on your calendar. Pre-order it on Amazon or find it on her website. Whatever you need to do, make sure you get her new book. But as always, thank you so much for listening. If you are new this week, this is your first time listening, I want to welcome you to the show. Hopefully you stick around for future episodes. Also want to invite you guys to connect with me, whether that's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever the case. You can find me. Search Cole Claiborne on Twitter and Instagram. Cole Douglas Claiborne on Facebook. I would love to connect with you. You can also visit my website, ColeClaiborne.com. I would love for you to subscribe to my newsletter. Check out some of the other stuff that I've written. It's all right there at ColeClaiborne.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to share this with some friends or anybody else that you think would enjoy this episode. Put it out there on your social media. That really helps people find this show and find this episode particularly, as well as giving it a rating. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating right there on the app. That really does help people find the show and know that this is a good one that they might want to listen to as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Hope you guys find some time to relax this week and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next time.